0: John chapter 14, John chapter 14, we're going to read some familiar verses here, it's probably familiar for a lot of us, most of us, these are closing words of Jesus, I say closing because beginning with John chapter 13, we are now on the night of Jesus' betrayal, John chapter 13, John chapter 14, John chapter 15. In John chapter 16 is Jesus speaking with his disciples. A lot of important stuff. How many of you know you, you saved the most important stuff for last? Uh, when you know you don't have a lot of time left, you're not just shooting the breeze, you're not sitting around the Last Supper saying, so how you doing, guys? You know, I just haven't talked in a while. We need to catch up. But, you know, they, they've probably got some important information they were communicating and um, Jesus, more so than his disciples, because they're still a little bit in denial about this whole leaving and, and being crucified. I mean, Peter's already done, gotten in Jesus' face and said, may it never be. And then Jesus had to turn around and say, get behind me, Satan. I mean, we've already had these conversations. They do not want to believe that their best friend, their Lord, their master, is getting ready to be despised of men. The man that they love, the man that they have spent the last three and a half years walking with. And so they're in a little bit of denial. And so Jesus is opening up some conversation. And um, just so you know, these last chapters here, uh, there's two things that Jesus talks about. And obviously, they must be very important topics if he's saving this for last. Number one, he communicates love. What does love look like? And, And he starts talking about love and what... Uh, love is and, and how love is ought to be operating through the church and through his disciples and and uh, these different things But then the other topic that he uh, Begins to talk about and it's a topic. We're going to kind of uh, focus on tonight is the holy spirit in uh, john chapter 14 15 and 16 specifically he begins to introduce the holy spirit to his disciples Apparently this is somebody we needed to get to know Because Jesus is getting ready to make an exit, and somebody else is getting ready to make an entrance. They're swapping places. They're swapping roles. And so he's saying, look, you're going to have to get to know this guy. You're going to have to get to know the guy that's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to lead you. He's going to be your teacher. He's going to remind you of all this stuff I've been saying for the last three and a half years, and he's going to show you things to come. But here I want to look at something specific. John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he begins here by reminding his disciples of how important he is, how important important Jesus is. I am the way. Jesus had no problem talking about himself. He had no problem shoving this thing off and saying, look, this is who I am. Let me let you know who I am. I am the word. I am the good shepherd. I am the doorway. And here he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. So you don't get to my dad unless you get to know me first. There's no other way around it. There's no other way it can happen. you got to get to know me. And so look at this in verse If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. There's a difference between knowing and seeing. God doesn't want us to just know about him. He wants us to know him. And the difference between knowing and seeing is taking a head knowledge and turning it into an experience. Up to this point, nobody on the face of the planet could know God. They only knew about God. And now Jesus shows up. He's the light of men, as uh, John chapter 1 tells us. And then right here he tells us, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am. That means he's the revealer. He's the one that's going to show us who God is. Truly is. And he makes it very clear that there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. There's a transition that's getting ready to take place. But he says, if you had known me. Now look at verse 8. One of his disciples speaks up, if you're in case wondering what they're thinking in the middle of this conversation. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. If you just show us who the father is, that'll be good. Now, you're talking about a man that's just spent the last three and a half years with Jesus himself. And Jesus just said, I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. So you've got to be thinking in your mind. If I say this statement, it's going to open up some cans here because I've been spending three and a half years with the very man that says he's the way, truth and life. And yet I still don't know the father. There's something else that's necessary. Obviously, just spending time with Jesus wasn't enough. Just being around Jesus wasn't enough. Just following Jesus wasn't enough. There's more that needs to take place here. There's more that needs to take place. And so, verse 9, Jesus says to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? See, you think it would be better if Jesus was here in the flesh. And this is proof that there is still a risk that you run not getting to know who Jesus really is. He could be here in the flesh with you, and you still not recognize that the way, the truth, and the life is standing right in front of you. Blinded. 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 I'm going to show you tonight that the very thing is happening in the earth today. Now you're saying, well, Jesus is in heaven. No, Jesus is in the earth. Today, and we're going to tie all this together, tie it all together. He says, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? You know, there's a part of me that's thinking Jesus is still saying that to people today. You, you you've, I, I've been with you. you. You asked me into your heart when you were a child. You you, you, you made that confession statement. You, you said the prayer, but yet you don't know me. Jesus even said over in Matthew chapter 7, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do miracles in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Apparently, there's something about knowing that Jesus is trying to communicate. He who has seen me, he just switched. He just switched from knowing to seeing. It doesn't say he who has known me has known the father. He says, he who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does the works. What are the works? That's what I'm seeing the difference between knowing and seeing verse 11 believe me that i am in the father and the father in me or else believe if you don't believe for that then believe for the sake of the works themselves if you don't believe me because you don't know me then you need to believe because you've seen it happen now let's keep going verse 12 most assuredly i say to you he who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also. Who's he? He that believes. He that believes. Not just anybody. There's a qualifier. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do. Why? Because i leave. That's huge. Because I'm leaving, now you can experience what I've been experiencing. Because I go to the Father, now you can be doing what I have been doing. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Notice he says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do, and the Father will be glorified in the Son. I'm going to make some connections tonight. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now skip over to John chapter 16. Two chapters over. Two chapters over. And starting with verse 5. John chapter 16, verse 5. Jesus is kind of continuing this thing. Remember, this is all one conversation. In fact, between 13, 14, 15, and 16, there's very little black letters if you have a red letter Bible. Jesus is doing a lot of talking here. And in verse 5 of chapter 16, he says this. But now I go away to him who sent me, the Father, and none of you ask me, where are you going? He said, you're not even interested. You're not even interested that I'm leaving. You're not even interested that I'm going somewhere else. None None of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has... Filled your heart. Basically, he's saying, the more and more I communicate this stuff, the sadder you get. (laughs) The more depressed you... You you are thinking about what you're losing rather than what you're gaining. You're not thinking about where you're going. You're just trying to hold on to the little bit that you have left. (laughs) You're missing the point, is what he's saying. You just keep getting sad. Nevertheless... I tell you the truth. And I think it's silly that Jesus, who just said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, has to preface a statement with, I tell you the truth, as if he's going to tell us anything different. (laughs) But he's trying to communicate. He's trying to get across here. This is serious business. This is the truth. Nevertheless, no matter how sad you get, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Uh, It is to your advantage that I go away oh boy it's getting real now it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away if I do not leave if I do not go to the father who sent me if I do not go back to heaven the helper will not come to you but if I depart, I will send him to you. The title of my message tonight is, it's better this way. Yeah. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, it's better, it's better this way. It's better this way. You ever had to do that in a relationship? Uh, maybe you were breaking up with somebody, you know, and you're like, you know, having to give them the spiel. Like, hey, it, it, it's, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> right? And, and, and then you, you have to say, look, it, it's better this way. You're better off without me. Well, that's what Jesus is doing. He's breaking up with his disciples. And he's saying, it's better. It's to your advantage that I go. That I go. Because there's somebody else that's coming to take my place. There's even another point here in John chapter 16 where he makes this statement. He says, I will send you another Helper, And that word another doesn't just mean replacement or substitute. It means someone just like me. See, every coach wishes they had another. See, if their star player gets hurt, they have to find a replacement or a substitute. But they don't have another. Very few times does a coach have two of the the most qualified guys, and one of them is just waiting to take place of the previous one. But see, guys, we don't just have a substitute. The Holy Spirit is not just someone who's filling in until Jesus can come back. The Holy Spirit is living in us to do everything that Jesus did on the face of the planet. And will do everything that Jesus did on the face of the planet. It's to your advantage. Now, why? Because Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. And Jesus said, until this time, you had not known him. But from now on, you will now know him and see him. Now, seeing has to do with experience. Seeing has to do with experiencing what you know. I've used this example before. I have ridden on a plane, but I've never actually flown a plane. And so riding on a plane would be knowing. Do you know what it's like to fly on a plane? Okay, so I've written on a plane. But do you, have you ever seen or have you ever experienced what it's like to actually fly the plane? That's different. That's different. And up until this point, Jesus was the only one except for a few times where he would send out his disciples to go into different towns. There's one time he sent out his 12. There was another time he sent out the 72 by 2 to go out and minister. And he gave them power. Over unclean spirits gave them power to heal gave them power to preach the kingdom of God with boldness and they came back and said it was amazing. We saw signs and wonders we saw even the devils were bowing to us in the name of Jesus exciting stuff when God empowers you God is not here to enable you God is here to empower you. He wants to give you a whole new life. He doesn't want to just drag you by the hand and say, it's okay. It's going to be better. He's saying, no, I'm giving you the ability to live in my capacity. I'm giving you the ability to do what I can do in you. So the Holy Spirit is important. The Holy Spirit is valuable. Jesus says it is to your advantage. It's better this way that I go to the Father so you can have the Holy Spirit here now. The world, the world does not know God. They might think they know about God, but they do not know God. And just as Jesus said, I am here to reveal who my father is. I want to make a connection tonight and show you that because of the Holy Spirit, you and I are here to do what Jesus came to do. Reveal the father and reveal the kingdom to the world. It's better this way. Jesus did not stop working when he went to heaven. Jesus did not stop working when he went to heaven. In fact, I'll make this bold statement. Jesus never left the earth. Jesus never left the earth. Let's look at Acts chapter 1 real quick. I'm going to set this up. Those, those jobs that we struggle with, and those coworkers that we have a hard time with, and that boss that's just coming down on, <laughs> that, that, the, the, the family members that were like, "I could go the rest of my life without seeing you. I don't want to go to another family reunion." Uh, uh, the, the struggles in life, I'm about to show you why you're in the middle of all that stuff. About to show you, Jesus came to a messed up world. Jesus did not come to a world that was ready to receive him. Jesus did not come to a world that was saying, yay, Jesus, you're here. <laughs> it's about time You showed up. He was, constantly, even his own disciples, constantly trying to get them to understand why he was in the earth. Nobody got it. And then we go to work and, under, and, and, and don't understand why nobody gets it. Well, I, I went. In, I was smiling, and they were just hating on me. I was. I invited them to church, and they were like, "Get away from me!" They just kept cussing at me. They just kept tearing me up and down, uh, you know. And, and 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 we think that people are just waiting to hear about Jesus. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know yet. In Acts chapter one, verse eight. Now, now, Jesus is ascending. This is his actual. Ascension into heaven now. He's, he's standing before his disciples. He's just given them the, uh, the, the, the uh, great commission. Go into all the world, right? Make disciples of every creature. But before the going happens, there's a receiving that has to take place. And in verse 8... He says this to his disciples. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem. Judea. Samaria. And to the end of the earth. Before you're witnessing. You have to receive something. He says but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The same Holy Spirit that he just told his disciples before he was crucified saying, these works that I've done, you will do. Because I go to the Father. And it's to your advantage that I go. See, right here, he's reminded them, now I'm leaving, but somebody's coming. I'm exiting, but somebody's making an entrance into your life. And we know over in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit come visits them, because they were told to go to an upper room, pray. Do not go anywhere. Terry, wait for the promise of the Father. Who's the promise? The Holy Spirit. Now look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Greater works. Can't do much better than what Jesus did, man. I mean, what's greater than raising the dead? There's two ways the church is doing greater works today. Number one is in number. Jesus was one man. And he did a lot. I mean, John ended up having to write that uh, you, you, you could make the ocean the ink and the sky your paper, and you still would run out of space to declare everything that Jesus did in three and a half years. It's almost like, what's your excuse? Three and a half years. He, he picked up, he hit the ground running, and then three and a half years, he's separated from his disciples. Three and a half years, and he's gone, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and then he Translates everything over to his disciples. Three and a half years. Jesus did a lot. So number one is in number. And and number two is in magnitude. In space. Uh, Jesus was confined to one area. On this planet. And now we've got the church all over the planet. We've got the body of Christ all over the planet. Now look at this. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's important because if you're not forgiven of your sins, you can't operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this isn't just for anybody. He's. Identifying this is for a select few. Who's the select few? Those that receive the redemption of Jesus' blood and the forgiveness of their sins. That's us. That's his church. Now watch this. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Why do you, what, what did he say back there? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. Now this is our key verse. Watch this. And he is the head. The head. Who's he? Jesus. He, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. He is the head over the body, the church. Jesus is the head. The church is the body. What happens if you separate the head from the body? It dies. It's called decapitation. There's no life. There's no life when the body is separated from the head. Therefore, Jesus has not left the earth. Jesus is still in the earth, and he's operating in the earth through you and I. Through you and I, the church. Now, if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, you don't have to turn there. Just for time's sake, we are familiar with the reference Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in what? His image and his likeness. That's Adam. And that's all of mankind ever since. You and I, now being reborn, not when we're first born naturally, we're born into sin. But now that we've been reborn, we now once again take on the likeness and the image of our Father. So that means everywhere you go, the church, God goes. You go to work and you say, man, they need Jesus. That's why you're there. You are Jesus to them. You go on to your school campuses and you say, God, these guys need Jesus. They need some Jesus up in here. And you say, here I am. Here I am. I am Jesus. I am Christ to them. I am the anointed one to them. I am now here to reveal Jesus to a lost And dying world. See for so long we thought we were going to church. And we didn't ever recognize. That we are the church. And the church is going. To the world. See the only reason why this is a church tonight. Is because the church. Assembled upon this place. This building could be anything. This building could be an office. This building could be a warehouse. That drug deals could happen here. But it's a church tonight because the church has come to 2314 U.S. Highway 84, Valdosta, Georgia, 31601. In case you didn't know our address, that's where we're at. We are the church. We are the church. Now, the church isn't supposed to be trying to figure out who God is. The church is supposed to be helping the world discover who God is. We need to know who God is. Now, how does that happen? Not just knowing about him. But knowing him. Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And and not only that, guys. But the Holy Spirit now comes into the life of a believer, comes into the disciples in Acts chapter 2. To do the works of the kingdom. Paul also said this, that the kingdom is not just in words and speech, but it is, it is joy and power. Power. See, the world doesn't just need to hear about God. They need to experience God. They need to experience. They don't need to just hear about the love of God. They need to experience the love of God through you and I. When the world has turned on itself and said, we don't love you, we hate you, we cast you out. No, the church steps in and says, no, we know how to show love. Because our God is love. And I'm here to show you what that love looks like. And not just talk about it. Not just, you know, throw it out. Oh, yeah, we we love. We, we love people. We love our neighbor as ourselves. We love our brothers and our sisters. No, he says, show them what that love looks like. Did Jesus show people what love looked like? Absolutely he did. Did he show them what the power of God could do to a sick and dying body? Did he show what the power of God could do to someone that was demon-possessed? Or bound up by a spirit other than God. Absolutely He'd cast them out and say here's freedom. Here's liberty. God have been anointed. To set free those who are captive Jesus said. See this life for us guys. This life for the church. Is is not separate from who Jesus is. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6. This is how I want you to pray. Our father. Who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Jesus himself, yes, is ascended into heaven. But Jesus is just the head of the body. Your head is where the will is at. You could be sitting there saying, I really need to go to the bathroom. And your will is here. I need to go. I need to go. I'm really thirsty. I need to go get something to drink. I'm really hungry. I need to go get something to eat. Oh, I need to go tell this person that. But until your body cooperates with the head, the function doesn't take place. So Jesus in heaven can will it. All the one. Jesus wants to save them. Jesus wants to heal them. Jesus wants to restore them. Jesus wants to to show them the love of God. But until you put on the love and you embrace them and say, I'm here to show you the love of God, the body cannot function outside of the head. And the head can't function outside of the body. Jesus said this when he was in the earth. It's littered throughout the book of John. He said, I am here to do my father's will. He said, I don't even do my own will. Isn't that interesting that even Jesus, the son of God, would say something like, I don't do my own will. He even had his own will. But you know what? He laid down his will to take on his father's will. Even at the age of 12, his parents were looking for him and they said, I'm doing my father's business. Why else am I here? It's a good question for the church to ask itself today. Are we doing the father's business? Is the church laying down its will for the will of Jesus, the head, the head? You know, in your life, if your body decides to do something separate than what your head does, You go to the doctor for that kind of stuff. You get treatment for that kind of stuff. You're taking pills because this this thing over here is doing its own thing or, you know, uh, uh, my, my heart's not beating right or my lungs don't seem like they're functioning. Any dysfunction in your body, you go get it treated. Yet the church sees dysfunction and turns its eye to it. You turn your eye from dysfunction in your body, see how long you last. You know, actually, that's what leprosy is. Leprosy uh, isn't even a flesh thing. It's a nerve thing. It's nerves in your nerve endings in your body that have died. Anybody familiar with leprosy in the Bible? We, we don't hear a whole lot about it today. But leprosy in the Bible, it's nerve endings that have died. And so you don't know when something's gotten hit or something's gotten uh, smashed or uh, is, is bruised. And so rather than taking care of it, see, the hurt is identifying there's pain and I need to get it healed. I need to get it taken care of. But leprosy is a decay of the flesh that sets in because there was a dysfunction you never knew about. There's leprosy going on in the earth today because the church is turning its eyes and saying, Jesus, please come. Come, Jesus. And Jesus said, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Is the church today preoccupied till he comes? Rather than occupying, we preoccupy with stuff that we shouldn't even be dabbling with. We're preoccupied with what the world sets as a standard of success rather than what God sets. Guys, if we're not meeting the needs and the hurts and the pains, if we are not revealing the father to people that don't know the father. We're not doing the work of the church. He said greater things we would do. Jesus is not concerned with the church today outnumbering what he did. He wants it to happen. He expects it to happen. He expects his work to continue to go on. But until we. Receive the Holy Spirit. And until he empowers us to do the works of Jesus. He said, look, anything you ask, I'll give it to you. Because the Father will be glorified in the Son. You are Jesus in the earth. You are Jesus in the earth. You are performing the same works and the same functions that Jesus did when he was in the earth. Now, that does not mean you will go to the cross. Jesus already did it. But providing healing and hope, bringing restoration and refreshing to a world that is lost and dying and going to hell, that's you and I. We are to be doing what Jesus did. Jesus went to the cross so you and I could perform those functions he went to the cross so we could get sin out and get the holy spirit in but he said this it's to your advantage it's better this way it's not better with jesus here in the earth you realize if jesus were to show up today and say don't worry about it guys i got this that would be a digression that would be a step back not a step forward but he said it's to your advantage it's only going to get better. It's better this way. It's going to be better for you. It's better for the earth. It's better for the world. Because when the Holy Spirit comes in you, now there's Jesus, and there's Jesus, and there's Jesus. And Jesus can go to Plato's Closet, and Jesus can go to Plato's Closet, and Jesus can go to Lounge and, and Jesus can go to VSU, and Jesus can go to uh, Valdosta, and, and Jesus can go to Cat and just keep on going. And Jesus is now all over the place rather than, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? I heard Jesus is here. I heard Jesus here. All these people chasing around Jesus and Jesus is going to them and they don't even know it. He said, Philip, have you been with me this whole time and you haven't even known it? Do your co-workers know that Jesus is in their midst? Does your family know that Jesus is in their midst? Does the world you live in know Jesus is in their midst? Chase, if you come up. This is, this is something that ought to stir us up, man. We're not waiting in the, for the sweet by and by. We are here to reveal the kingdom of God to this world today. Tomorrow morning, Jesus is being sent out. But will we respond in hate rather than love? Will we respond in fear rather than peace? Will we respond in joy? Will we respond with faithfulness? Well, what's this? The fruit of the Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. I get to reveal Jesus. You get to reveal. You've heard me say it before. You are anointed for the mess. The anointing breaks the yoke. If there's no yoke, there's no need for the anointing. You are anointed to be sent out into a world that doesn't know Jesus. And they don't need to just know about him. They don't just need to hear you, I I go to church, I I love God. No, they need to see it. When everybody else says, we don't want anything to do with you, you say, come here. Come here. When everyone else is condemning them for their sin, you're saying, look, there's a God that can free you from sin. When everyone else is saying, whoa, get away from me. You're contagious. You'll say, come here. I'll lay hands on you. I'll see the sick recovered right now in the name of Jesus. Come on. This is the church. This is the church. Occupying till he comes. Occupying till he comes. Doing the works of Jesus. Greater works than these will he do. If you just believe. You just believe in him. God is trying to be revealed through you. God is trying to show Himself. Don't go. Don't just go home at the end of the day and say, "God, I, I, I'm praying for them." Go ahead and open your mouth. Be bold. Be bold and let them know. Look, when everyone else forsakes you, I know a God that'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you, and I'm here for you. Here's my phone number. Here's my email address. You can contact me anytime. I may not have all the answers. I may not know what you're going through, but I know a God who does. Jesus never went through anything he delivered and healed people from. Oh, I can't help them. I don't know what it's like to have cancer. I I, I can't help them. I don't know what it's like to be going through a divorce. I, I, I can't help them. I don't know what it's like. No, Jesus never endured any of the struggles that he delivered people from and said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Jesus told his disciples, even when you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit, the one who I'm given to you, that's to your advantage. He'll tell you what to say in the moment. Wow. What a work. What a work he's called us to do. What a work he's called us to do. Greater works. They don't just need to know about God. They need to see you re- Reveal God to them. Father, we thank you tonight. What a great responsibility you've given us. What a great power you've given us. Father, we know with great authority comes great responsibility. Father, you've put us in a position of authority. We are the body of Christ. But that's not just... Hey, I have a cool place to hang out on Wednesday and and, and Sunday mornings. Father, we thank you for this time of refreshing. We thank you for this time of equipping. But, Father, it's only to strengthen us so that we can go out into a lost and dying world that needs you. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for complaining about the very things that you have placed us in to change. Forgive us for complaining about those people. Forgive us for complaining about those situations. Forgive us for uh, not being thankful for what you have given us, for the the authority you've placed in us, and the opportunities you've given us to reveal your kingdom. And, Father, may we take advantage of every opportunity. May we take advantage of every conversation. May we take advantage of every interaction. No longer will we say, oh, man, well, I'll be praying for you, or, oh, man, I... I'm sorry, I, I don't know how to help you. But that the Holy Spirit will speak up inside us and say, let them know. Let them know there's healing. Let them know there's restoration. Let them know there's a God that loves them. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for this. We give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. You said through your Son that by these works... The Father would be glorified in the Son. Father, we just want you to be lifted up. This isn't about us. This isn't about Anchor Faith Church. This is about us living and walking out that which you have promised us. And we'll see you lifted up. All men will be drawn into you. We thank you for this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.